This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Good evening and welcome to the post-game podcast with Patrick Smith on the Blood Red channel after Liverpool were held to a 2 all draw at Stamford Bridge by Chelsea in an absolute thriller of a match. The Reds burst into an early 2-0 lead thanks to goals from the imminently departing duo of Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah, who will now jet off to AFCON for the remainder of the month. Pep Linder stepped in to replace the absent Jurgen Klopp, but a familiar trend of the Reds this season was exposed once again as Chelsea managed to force in two goals just before half-time, meaning Liverpool surrendered their commanding position into a half-time draw. The second half was nowhere near as exciting as the first, and both sides had to settle for a point each, meaning the only winner of the outcome was Manchester City, who extend their lead at the top of the table. Joining me on the show today will be the Liverpool Echo's Paul Gorst, substitute manager Pep Linders in his post-match press conference, and a quintet of Reds fans from around the world to share their thoughts. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool's hopes of winning the Premier League title are hanging by a thread after a 2-2 draw with Chelsea here at Stamford Bridge this afternoon. And you'd probably normally suggest that the draw with Chelsea away from home would be a credible result for Liverpool, but if they're going two goals up through Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah in the game that they probably really needed to win with Manchester City steaming clear at uh, the top of the Premier League, you would have to suggest that this represents a frustrating result for Jürgen Klopp. And his players, Klopp, of course, uh, not here for this one. He's isolating back on Merseyside after a returning a positive COVID-19 test earlier this week. So Pep Linders was in his place for the game. And um, it was a game that was played at an absolutely frenetic pace. Uh, not sure if uh, that is a metric that the Premier League are able to judge by, but surely one of the quickest games of the season. Uh, Sadio Mane was booked just seconds into the game and uh, made it 1-0 inside 10 minutes when he made the most of a mistake from Trevor Chalabert. He rounded Edouard Mendy and stuck it away. Trent Alexander-Arnold played in Mohamed Salah down his near side in front of me for the second. Uh, lovely bit of skill from the uh, Liverpool winger to take it past Marcus Alonso and stick it past Mendy. And it looked like Liverpool, a Covid hit at Liverpool, it has to be said, we're going to be walking away from Stamford Bridge with maximum points. Despite probably not being at their best, but uh, Chelsea responded. Uh, Matteo Kovacic uh, just away to my left with one of the volleys of the season before Christian Pulisic, just before half-time, he made it 2-2. And, uh, at uh, the end of the first half, we probably suggested that this was uh, arguably one of the games of the season and Liverpool seem to be involved in too many of those at the moment. Don't do anything back to that game at Tottenham just a fortnight ago. Another uh, game of the season contender. Uh, Liverpool don't want to be involved in too many of those. It seems to be uh, very um, frenetic and uh, fast-paced. And at the second half wore on, you never really felt that either side were going to come away with a winner, uh, Mohamed Salah was denied by Mendy as was Sadio Mane in the second half um, Queen Callagher made a great save down the other end as well as both teams played for the uh, the winning goal but it wouldn't come for either, it's finished Liverpool uh, 2, Chelsea 2, Liverpool now trail City by 11 points uh, with a game in hand, that of course is the rearranged game from Boxing Day against Leeds but uh, you have to be looking at the Premier League uh, league table at the beginning of 2022, which is suggesting that it is sadly Manchester City's to lose. Um, Liverpool will uh, enter, or they're entertained rather in London once again later this week against Arsenal in the Carabao Cup, and that takes on extra significance now with Liverpool looking like they're not going to be finishing the season as champions. Uh, Jürgen Klopp won't be giving up, of course. Um, he's back home on Merseyside. They won't be thrown in the towels just yet, but to the neutral onlookers, it does now look as though it's Manchester City's to lose. It's finished here in uh, one of the games of the season. Chelsea 2, Liverpool 2. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. 
Sure. Pep, Pep, I just wanted to, uh, you played so well to make it 2-0. From 2-0, you must have expected to, to go on and, uh, and win the game. What was your overall feelings after um, the minutes? We should have controlled the game better with moments already before the 2-0. We were little in our counter-attack. Uh, but the moments we played and we really connected well and uh, we were a little bit, uh, we were quick in mind and thought about the next pass. We, they opened up spaces incredible and we used these spaces really well the whole game. Maybe sometimes the last pass, maybe sometimes uh, a better timing with our movement in behind um, to create even more. Um, but yeah, overall, um, I can speak a lot about tactics and all these ideas, but for me, it's pride because we could come here with a lot of excuses and we could come here to, um, um, the team could have come here with a lot of excuses, but they fought with all they had and uh, getting a result away at Chelsea is always good. It's just, um, um, it's just we could have avoided it better if we played more football, more often better football on their half and then they would not have had that, much, that many situations. Um, of course, we could have avoided these two goals with better def defending. So you were so good offensively. Were, were you were you disrupted def defensively? Uh, sorry, we're so good offensively. We disrupted defensively by uh, the situations with with COVID and everything um, around it. No, I I, I don't think that uh, the problem was defensively. We we corrected a few things in half time. But uh, I think the problem was uh, that we didn't keep the ball uh, long enough for many moments when we went to, the, to, to their half because that's the moment they have to push their uh, wing backs back in and that's the moment where, they, uh, where, we, can, uh, where we can really also um, rest with the ball. And, um, and these, uh, this balance was not right today. Um, but um, again, what I said, you can always do things better in a draw. Uh, well, we are happy. We take this point because it's a positive point in a, in a very difficult situation. Just finally, for me, where does, where does this leave you in the title race, in the context of the title race? Are you in the stadium, John? Yes. What an um, incredible game, no? Yeah, absolutely. Best game, of the, best game of the season so far. We, it's never boring with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, we never look at others. So uh, a title race is only decided on the last match day. And uh, there are so many points to collect. And we have this difficult situation. You never know about opposition if they get difficult situations. So, uh, we have to focus on ourselves. That's how we always did it. And that's why we got in the position where we are. That's how our team developed. That's how our team is at this moment in time. Because we only focus on the next game to make that a final and to give everything we have. And with this, we become better. And with this, we um, um, we became champion and we became, we won the Champions League and we won the other other two cups so this is what we have to keep doing and uh, again a big compliment for our team because if we keep this fighting spirit up and we play a little bit better then we have a big chance as well in the next games hi pep you okay yeah um obviously you can see how stressed the squad has been and was today but the, yeah. you, some of the younger lads on the bench you, you've obviously got three players going off to, to the afcon tomorrow yeah. How concerned are you and Jürgen about the, the the way the squad's going to be stretched in the next few weeks? Yeah, you can never um, you can try to plan it, but you can never prepare it. <laughs> it's um, it's 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 not a worry because we have faith in the boys we have, and uh, a few boys are coming back as well. We know that certain players can play more offensively as well. They have been playing in midfield, but they can play more offensively as well. And um, I just 
told the boys as well, you know, that um, Nabi, Mo, and Sadio that um, that they uh, that should that they should try to win the Alcon because it's a prize to catch and the careers are never long and they deserve to fight for each prize. This prize comes now in front of them. It's a, it's a tournament with so much passion, so much culture, and uh, everybody knows how it. Not everybody knows, but it's a really prideful situation if you can play for your country, if it's England, if it's Holland, if it's Germany, however. But, and that's what they have and feel. So they, they are African legends. They are legends for me. But if they win it, they will be probably even more legends. So they should try with all they have to, to win it. Are you, are you expecting, sorry, you mentioned it, are you expecting Divock, Taki, Firmino back, you know, soon? Or is that a longer-term problem? Let's see. So some of the boys are... are uh, plan to be back, but they still didn't start a team training, so we have to see. It's, uh, that's what I say. It's uh, coming here. We could have made many excuses, you know, and we didn't. And we, um, uh, I think, it's a it's a positive point. The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's two-all draw with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And that is not good news, is it? Not a bad performance in the end. There weren't too many uh, things to get too excited about, though, I must say. Even though we probably had the better of things for the bulk of the second half. And, of course, we were up 2 nothing in the first half at one stage. Looking at the starting lineup, it was a surprise to me, and I think many other people, that James Milner got the start, particularly as Naby Cater is about to leave us. One thing I'd say about that is just because he's leaving doesn't mean to say we, we have to pummel him into the ground and exhaust him. You know, and the same, I suppose, thinking goes for Sadio Mane and, and uh, Mo Salah because they're going to have an intense time of it at the Africa Cup of Nations. There's the travel, there's the games, there's the travel back. So it doesn't necessarily make logical sense for us to get everything we can out of them before they go. I suppose the management have to look after the welfare of the players over the long term. So um, that could have entered some of the thinking. I think also perhaps some of the thinking was that Jürgen wasn't around. And even though I'm sure he was he was on the phone or in communication with the bench, and, uh, and running the show effectively, there's obviously going to be a delay. And he perhaps felt that, um, given that situation, James, Mil James Milner was a more reliable player for him, away from home against one of the Premier League contenders, um, and would just keep things ticking over nicely. Um, and, and Jürgen would therefore not be called upon to have to make uh, very you know, urgent changes, I suppose. Maybe that's that's a couple of the excuses I can think of. Uh, I use the word excuses rather than reasons because I think Narby was the obvious choice, um, given who we had available. I think you, you probably wouldn't put Curtis Jones in right at the beginning because obviously he's just coming back from that eye injury and, and needs to pick up a little bit of match fitness before he's ready for full 90 minutes, no doubt. Um, I thought Kelleher was... Brilliant in goal, made two outstanding saves, particularly that first one, which um, was just moments before Sadio Mane scored our first goal. So we went 2 0 up, we could easily have been 1 0 down and facing a very different prospect. Um, what a goalkeeper he is, and wonderful that we have him on the books. I, I don't get 
particularly uh, troubled by the thought of Alison Becker not being available. Alison Becker is the best goalkeeper in the world, but when you have someone like Kelleher waiting in the wings, it's not a crisis, I don't believe, when um, when Alison's not available. He's perhaps a little bit too comfortable and calm and collected with the ball at his feet. Sometimes you just want him to get rid of it, but you could say the same of Alison, I suppose. Um, Mo Salah's goal, that c- cessation of momentum, that little check he had uh, to, to absolutely lose the person that was tracking him was just brilliant. And then the disguise looking as if he was going to open his body up. Well, he did open his body up, looking as if he was going for the far post, but then tucking it in at the near post. A superb goal, all done without really much thinking. He just did it naturally within the space of a less than a couple of seconds. Marvellous stuff from Mo. But then we gave it away again, didn't we? And it was a question uh, thereafter of Kelleher once again saving us at point-blank range from Pulisic, I think it was. And Sadio Mane being offside too many times. You know, we had our opportunities. We had some some chances to to break, I think, at, at pace. We, we know we've got pace and we've got players who can run at pace and retain superb control of the ball but we don't get to deliver on that opportunity if we can't stay on side and I think we we blew it a few times in that situation 11 points away from Manchester City now we've got that game in hand and we have to play Manchester City Uh, that still if everything goes well in those two instances then we're still five points adrift and that is going to be quite a lot. I, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if City have a bit of a, a wobble between now and the end of the season. In fact, I would think it's likely. You know, the, these these things happen and I think they're probably due. But at the same time, I think it's very likely that we'll have a wobble. So, you know, the chances of us making it up and getting there by the end of the season are looking looking a little bit slimmer. Um and now we have to cope with without Salah and uh, Mane and Nabi and, and Salah's the big miss. I mean, he's been quite clearly our player of the season. And the longer we have to do without him, um, the worse it is for our club. Sadio Mane, not particularly bothered. He, he still hasn't really hit the form um, that we would have expected of him 18 months ago. Um, and we do have in Diogo Jota a, a natural replacement for him and if let me say an effective replacement for him Bobby Firmino hopefully coming back Harvey Elliott can't be too far away can he um Oxlade Chamberlain uh you know we, we've got options Minamino um there are options there uh but Mo Salah will be the one we really miss um Nabi let's hope he comes through without getting uh, injured we've got midfielders to come back uh, uh in terms of availability in the coming days and weeks so hopefully that won't be too much of a miss either but not a good night looking forward to the Carabao Cup I guess at Gulasahi on Twitter G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I Hello Alex Watt from Did It Cross The Line podcast Uh, that was annoying wasn't it Um, the worst possible result for both Liverpool and Chelsea the best possible result for Man City. It it couldn't have gone much worse for us overall from that point of view, unfortunately. Um, obviously, Liverpool versus Chelsea is always a big day in my household, being married to a Chelsea fan. And 
with us both being title contenders this season, it's it's added that little bit more. Um, recent results obviously had already put a bit of a dampener on the game with Man City being so far ahead. But hey, at least my marriage is still intact after that one, courtesy of both sides ultimately conspiring to drop points, shall we say. Um, feels especially frustrating from a Liverpool point of view because... We did have that 2-0 lead and we let it get away from us. We didn't calm the game down towards the end of the first half. We didn't show the game management we maybe usually would after that incredible Kovacic goal. You know, fantastic strike. You can't do anything about those. You just have to hold your hands up, really. But after that, we had to get more of a grip on the game and slow it down and get to half-time. Only one goal, you know, having conceded one goal. Um... And we didn't, and it cost us with the Pulisic equaliser right before half-time. Um, it was obviously a wild first half and such an entertaining one for the neutral, I'm sure, because it was so end-to-end. You know, we were seeing a lot of errors, a lot of gaps in midfield and defence that both sides were able to exploit and counter-attack into. Um, and I do want to pick up on the commentator's narrative a little bit that they're they were saying, you know, there's no sign that these teams have played too many matches and talking about what a great advert for the Premier League it was. And the thing is, the players couldn't keep pace with each other like they normally would. And the gaps were appearing because of it. You know, the game was so entertaining precisely because of the number of fixtures that have been, because of the number of players that were missing. And I kind of wish people would sometimes just be a bit more honest about that kind of thing. Yes, talk about how wild and entertaining the match is, but don't act like it isn't a product of the circumstances surrounding it. You know, you could see how knackered both teams looked at the 60-minute mark, but there was... There's no mention of that and why that drop-off happened after how wild the first half was. But in terms of other stuff, you know, I think what this game did do, unfortunately, was expose our issues with midfield availability, which is something we were obviously worried about at the start of the season anyway, when uh, Wijnaldum left in the summer. But now when, for instance, Thiago is out, it's so noticeable and we rely on guys like Fabinho and Henderson to be at their best every single game, which just isn't sustainable. Um, And that lack of composure and control showed today in that area because both of them looked slightly off the pace. Um, And the thing is, is, as a wider point, like considering we had nine players out, I'm the manager, of course, not on the touchline. You know, I was pleasantly surprised by the strength of the team we were able to field, which does show the strength of the squad we do have. But midfield is definitely becoming the concern in terms of depth, which we've seen cost us a few times this season when certain players are unavailable. And, you know, we obviously started so well in the sense of the goals. Lovely to see Sadio Mane end his goal drought. He definitely needed something like that to get... You know, an error to kind of get him in, get the goal, get his confidence up. Obviously a shame he's off to the AFCON now to give that <laughs> that newfound confidence to Senegal for the next couple of weeks. Um, and then Mo Salah, best in the world, does that again from just a stupid angle. Um, I know certain pundits don't think he's worthy of their team of the year, but I think his performances week to week show... Uh, how ridiculous takes like that are. He is unplayable on days like these and 
Chelsea will obviously feel a bit sick that they were without Chilwell and James to try and combat our wide attackers today. Um, but yeah, seriously, can we get Mo's contract sorted already? I feel like I say this every time. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold was at his absolute best with his long passing today. You know, the link up between him and Mo was just unbelievable at times. Two great goalkeeping performances on either side in the second half too. I think we have to mention again how great Kelleher was. Every time he steps into the starting lineup, he seems to thrive. But ultimately... You know, we were nowhere near our best today, which isn't necessarily unexpected given all the enforced changes and obviously the lack of the big man on the touchline. But considering they were without Lukaku today as well, I really hoped we could edge this one, but it wasn't to be. And as I said, it's the worst result for both teams, really. And that does maybe put an end to the title race. Obviously, we have to keep the faith and hope not, but it's been a shocking few weeks for us while everything's gone right for Man City. You would think it'll take a miracle now for either us or Chelsea to catch them, really, especially with the players out already, the players going away to the AFCON. And this is what we're all competing with in the unlimited resources Manchester City have. We shouldn't be in a situation where they're able to be 10 points clear on January 2nd. And it feels like everyone else is competing for runners-up places a bit too often, sadly, which isn't great for the future of the league. But here we are. Um, for us, you know, it's League Cup semi-final, first leg next uh, versus Arsenal. We're still in the hunt for all these other trophies and hopefully we can do something in those. I know Klopp hates the League Cup, but I think he'll be he'll be going for it now. We're so close to the final and FA Cup, Champions League are both right there. Let's not give up on the league just yet. Keep going. Cheers. Up the Reds. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Mike Holt from Go In The Match Podcast with my review on Chelsea 2, Liverpool 2, um, which just makes that gap even bigger uh, for Man City. Um, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but it's starting to feel like that title is slowly slipping away from from the Reds there. Um, I really did think we had to go to Stamford Bridge, pick all three points up, which was disappointing to undercome way of the point with, obviously being 2-0 up. And... I think Carragher's just referenced it there. Um, 17 times we've been uh, ahead in games this season and only 12 of them we've come away with wins. Um, and that is the difference between us and this current uh, Man City team under Pep Guardiola, who are a juggernaut. Unfortunately, it's difficult to say, but they are. Um, yeah, I mean, it's starting to become a theme with Liverpool that you can, you get to the end of the game and you go, wow, what a great game of football that was. Well, yeah, that's great, but the season that we won the league, we weren't saying that. We were saying, do you know what? That was you know, not a great performance, but somehow we came away with a 1-0 win or a 2-1 win. And I think that's just been the difference this season. We're not seeing the games out like we used to, you know, very much similar to Spurs. Um, and I do feel like that is starting to come from the, a makeshift midfield week in, week out. And I know... It couldn't be helped today and throughout the season with injuries and COVID. But then again, it kind of stems back to, well, City have got this depth and squad that we haven't. And that's where they're getting the upper hand. Um, and, you know, before, just, before I go into the game, I'm not going to go on a rant here, but I do want to say how I feel. And 
I think if FSG are very serious about winning trophies under this manager, they've got to let Jurgen dip into these transfer windows. You know, it's been too long now since we've won the league and since we won the Champions League where windows have gone by where, yes, we've bought players, but we're selling players and we're trying to balance the books and that's all nice, but it's come to a point where we have to dip in seriously. We have to go into the summer because we're not going to do it in January, realistically. We have to go into the summer with big expectations of signing someone that's going to fill that depth um, and you know if your first team players now then become the players that you rotate with then ultimately you've built up a squad that's even better and hopefully they can challenge Man City um, and you know it's starting to get a bit frustrating you know it'd be really disappointing if at the end of Jurgen Klopp's tenure at Liverpool Football Club we've only won one league and one Champions League and I know as great as they have been and they've been amazing you know and Jürgen's done the best he can. But I just feel like these owners just need to back Jürgen whilst he's here. We're never going to get a manager as good as him now. You know, it, it would just feel like a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, so I, I, I'm a bit frustrated with that as a whole. But, I mean, going into the game, you know, we play really well. It's only the, the slight tweaks that, you know, would have changed the game in terms of winning. Um, you know, positives, uh, Kelleher and Net was absolutely outstanding. Don't know how Gary Neville's not given man of the match. Bit of bias there because, of, you know, I thought he was head and shoulders above everybody in that, um, over both teams, to be honest. Um, made some outstanding saves, so calm, cool, collected on the ball. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And every time he's been given the opportunity, he's, um, he's always arisen to it. So fair play to him. Um, the defence... <sighs> Not one of Van Dyke's best games. Not said that many times before, but he, he looked not on it. Not too sure why that was. I think especially for the second goal, uh, Pulisic's goal. I don't know why he didn't come across earlier. Strange one, but, you know, he's got enough credit in the bank. Knarty, he was he was fine. He was okay. Um, nothing amazing. Nothing stupid. So, yeah. Semi Castle thought was really good. Again, you know, we always bombing down that, down that wing. Maybe work on his delivery a little bit more, but I thought he was really good, really intense with his play, really aggressive. Um, Trent, the same. Yeah, maybe not one of his best nights, but he was okay. You know, a 7 out of 10. Uh, the midfield, yeah, midfield wasn't fantastic, was it? I don't think the captain had one of his best games tonight, Jordan Henderson. Um, not that he was terrible, I just don't think he was... I don't think he had one of his best nights, to be honest. Um, alongside him, Milner, again... I think there needs to be a question asked about James Milner. And I know he comes in and does a good job. And, you know, he's 36, however old he is. And he, he's that facilitating man. Um, but, you know, it is look, starting to look like it's taking its toll. And frustrating with the first goal um, that he gives that free kick away. You know, not something you'd expect from James Milner there. Stupid, um, stupid free kick to give away there's no, no other way of saying it really um, and then um, who was alongside the other lads Fabino. yeah I thought Fabino was really good um, it was a good job he didn't pick up a yellow in the last game um, and he was there for this game so I thought he was really good to be honest uh, and then obviously the front three Manny was starting to look back to his best a little bit which is a shame because obviously he's going to AFCON now 
Um, you know, we did have a couple of chances where he, he probably should have scored. I think he had one in the second half where he cut inside. He'd done really well. It was a good uh, bit of in- interlinking play between Simicass, uh, Cater and Mane. And he got through, but he hit it straight at Mendy. Um, but, you know, I think he's, I think he played well. Um, and then Salah, oh, what a goal. What an incredible goal. Um, you know, we've seen a few of those goals this, this season. And every single one of them is magical to watch. I thought um, I thought he was really good, live wire throughout. And, you know, I think we're really going to struggle without him now. And it kind of ties back into what I said about the transfer market thing. You know, we knew that these boys were going to be going to AFCON. We haven't got the depth um, whilst they're away. And it is a, it is a concern, um, you know, where the goal's going to come from. Because Salah's been unbelievable this season. He really is the best player in, in the world on current form. Uh, and Jota, I thought Jota played well. Yeah, I thought he played well. Um, I actually prefer him to Firmino in that role. I think he offers a little bit more, so I thought he was good. Um, so, yeah, 2-2. Like I say at the start, it's starting to feel like the title's slipping away. You know, it's it's not done until it's done, but I think it's a bit of an uphill ask. You know, you can't give a team like Man City a lead like that. It's very difficult, you know, but... Obviously, the boys go to AFCON now. We've got a couple of league ga- uh, League Cup games, FA Cup, to coming up. Looking forward to seeing how we get on with that um, and progress in those cups. <clears throat> Disappointing for Liverpool in the end, coming away with a 2-2 result against Chelsea. However, the game was a game which could have easily went either way. And one that, because of the results, I would say hands Manchester City the Premier League title because in order, for example, for Liverpool to get back into the title race... It'd really be dependent on two things. First one being that Liverpool, sorry, that Manchester City were likely to drop more points than Liverpool, or a considerable amount of points more than Liverpool and allow Liverpool back in, which doesn't look like it's going to happen. And B, it would also be the case that Liverpool would then have to take advantage of them slips by winning all the games and accruing them that points total, which would surpass Manchester City by a considerable margin. Again, something you can't see happening because of the respective form of the two clubs and I think first of all before sort of looking to what I sort of feel is, is the real Liverpool in the last few weeks in terms of Leicester, Tottenham and today against Chelsea I think it is worth saying that there are mitigating factors there's no doubt Liverpool have been compromised as many teams have by the, the, the pandemic and missing key players in key areas especially down the spine of the team and even today it can't be ideal missing your goalkeeper and obviously your manager as well on the sideline so you'd always have to factor that in and before I go any further Liverpool are a fantastic football team have been magnificent over a number of years now and, and still at an absolute top level elite team however having said that you're competing against the best the Premier League has probably ever seen in terms of the manager and the players within Manchester City's side and the options they have. So any slip-ups or any dents within your formation or weaknesses, if they are to be exposed, then obviously you you have a problem because Manchester City are a juggernaut who can keep controlling every element of every football match they play, basically, and then by consequence of that, win the games. So when Liverpool were at the peak anyway, under Klopp, in the two seasons where they amalgamated so many points, I think it was the, some of the highest totals English football has ever seen, obviously that allowed them to get one Premier League title and Natalie miss out by one point to another to Manchester City. The level of control they had in games was, was always evident. 
They they couldn't be played through, they couldn't be played round, they couldn't be played over. It was very rare that the opposition were able to hate them. And that platform allowed them then to have their forward players. Obviously, we know they've got elite players in them areas to be able to decide the outcome of games. And this season, in the early stages, it was not the case that that was evident with what we were saying, seeing on the, the field. It very much resembled some of the early years of Klopp, where it was much more frenetic, much more chaos involved in the game. And Liverpool still got by in the vast majority of the games because when it becomes a shootout, Liverpool have so many more better players in the final third than other teams, and that meant that they could win the vast majority of the games. However, when you spin the wheel and it becomes an element of we have a shot, you have a shot, there's always an, an opportunity that you won't come out, so you might have a bad day in terms of your shooting, which we obviously seen against, just to name off the top of my head, I'm just thinking maybe West Ham, Brentford, for example, where Liverpool were unable to come out on the right side of the results. And again, two things really. So when we talk about controlling games, I think we always associate that with the midfield section of the pitch and obviously it involves all unity of team being able to do the right amount of detail in and out of possession. But midfielders play a massive part and obviously when Liverpool were in the prime they had Gini Van Alden, Fabinho and Jordan Henderson and Van Alden was a brilliant balance player for Liverpool because he fitted into that double pivot when Liverpool were out of possession. His distances were always absolutely fantastic. Henderson was at a, a prime stage in his career where he could cover such ground and his tactical discipline within that three meant that Liverpool always had that solid structure. And then obviously you had Milner coming in at a different stage in his career in which he could do a really good job in that regard too. Now, skip, skip forward to the present day and Henderson there's no doubt has, has not performed at his peak level this season and you, you do have to worry about whether he can reach that level again which obviously becomes a factor in Liverpool's midfield James Milner's two years older and I've said on numerous occasions now unfortunately we're seeing a player who's be, is beyond elite level in the Premier League that's not in terms of covering distance of course he still has that but his time and his reaction time it's no longer there and we've seen that again, giving away a sloppy free kick today, which led to Chelsea's fight back. But that's because he's just a yard, two yards short. And then obviously you have Fabinho there, who's normally outstanding, but unfortunately has, has not come back in the same the same conditions since, since obviously being out. Now, Liverpool a few weeks ago got into a situation where they really regained control of games. And that was through having Thiago and Fabinho as a, a joint duo in midfield. Liverpool were able to suffocate the opposition in their heart because of the, the distances and the intelligence of both players to win the ball back. But also they were able to circulate and speed the game up, slow the game down, depending on the needs of the team and the, 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 the game state at that moment in time. And it meant that Liverpool could hoover up possession, suffocate the opposition and add so much territorial advantage. And you're thinking to yourself, Do you know what, Liverpool are getting back to the best here. I mean, when you think about Fabinho... Never great at covering big distances. But when you have your distances right of his teammates around him with them long telescopic legs, he can literally just, as I say, hoover the space up, hoover the ball up and set Liverpool back on the transition. What you don't want is you don't want wide open spaces where he's got to cover ground because unfortunately he hasn't got the mobility to do that. And too often this season, it's became that basketball element where Liverpool have suffered. And that all comes from Thiago being out and the play, player profiles of the players who then Liverpool have to come into the side are so different and so much weaker in that area that, again, it, it becomes a, a problem. And we've seen that today against Chelsea in terms of having two absolutely elite, outstanding midfield players in Kovacic and Kansi who were able to just 
slice through Liverpool at times. And it, Liverpool were too easy to play against. The distances were nowhere near good enough and they weren't able to to secure the result. Such was the frantic nature they allowed the, the game to be. And that all stems from both with and without the ball not having enough control in midfield. And I was speaking to one of my friends who's a Manchester City supporter over the last couple of days and he was highlighting how many players Liverpool have in the squad comparative to Manchester City. And Liverpool looked like they had more players in the squad for each possession. And I said to him, well, that's all well and good, but the drop-off in them players is so much bigger than Manchester City. So if you think that Manchester City probably have 10 players to occupy the midfield or forward positions, which when you, you count them all up is the case, absolutely players, 10 of them who, who operate in them areas, them players, they have so many who are hybrid players. When you think of Foden, Bernardo, Kevin De Bruyne, just off the top of my head, who can flip between both midfield and attack. Grealish is another one. So Manchester City is consistently circulating them players without any negative outcomes to the, the results of their matches and the level of quality dropping. Because, for example, you may play Bernardo in midfield one day and may play him up top the next, De Bruyne the same, etc, etc, etc. So that circulation gives them great depth without having to have numbers because they've got players who are so tactically flexible and can play different roles. When you then look at Liverpool, Salah has to play every game, Manny has to play every game. You'd ideally want the midfield free to play every game because if not, the drop-off is going to be massive. And Liverpool do not have players who can play in either or position. So if you're leaving out Manny or Salah, you're bringing in Minamino and say, Arigi or another uh, essential striker in that, that, that top end of the pitch. Same in midfield. If you're leaving out, you know, if Thiago's injured or Fabinho's not there, then all of a sudden Milner and, and say Naby Keita are coming in. You, 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 the level and the elite level of quality then drops off. And that's, I think, what we're seeing because when you're so finely tuned like Liverpool are, and then you factor in, you know, sort of a, a pandemic and other injuries to the squad. It, it becomes a lot more difficult. And that isn't to say that Liverpool haven't got fantastic players and a really, really excellent squad. Because obviously they have, they've got some fine footballers. But you're competing against the best of the absolute best in Manchester City with, you know, probably the best manager who's ever, who's ever coached within world football and a group of players who are absolutely fantastic. So every, every mistake or every, every point dropped is crucial, really. And that's what we're seeing from Liverpool. And unfortunately, the midfield at this moment in time is not able to function as they, they should do because basically they just haven't got the personnel to be able to do so. You know, you think about Henderson and Milner, even in the prime, they thrived in chaos, thrived when the game was 100 miles an hour, they'd be able to win the ball back and feed it to the forward players. Some games for Liverpool, unfortunately, you need control in there. These players are a couple of years older than Milner and Henderson's case and then you haven't got them controlling players often enough on the field to play together to give Liverpool the platform to be able to see games out and be able to, to put the opposition to bed, which would have made the difference in the points total. I rambled on a bit there, but hopefully it makes sense anyway. So Liverpool, unfortunately, for me, that's the title race goal.